Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. I absolutely love Babbel because their courses help me learn real-life conversational skills. It's so easy to learn how to order food, ask for directions, speak to the locals without having to consult language apps. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time offer for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners, at babbel.com SPP. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com SPP. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com SPP. Rules and restrictions may apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. The podcast where we talk to smart people, but not necessarily done by smart people. That is an awesome question. This one goes down probably on one of my top five. Hey, I like nutrition. I like to eat food. This is the coolest thing ever. We're going to do this forever. I wish I paid more attention in that class. You know, I'm going to be honest. I don't understand that. As a man, I just, I don't get it. Welcome to smartpeoplepodcast.com. You know what? For this episode, I'm not going to start with our standard intro. Um, and the reason is because I want to change the intro. I want to change the branding. And also, the core message of this episode is about being authentic and about saying what you actually want to say and asking what you actually want to ask. And it was one of my favorite episodes featuring two of my now favorite people, and so I have to do it justice, but this is the person I want to continue to become more authentic. I want to give others permission to do that and not the cheesy way, not the overused nonsense, authenticity, blah, 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 vulnerability, but like the human experience authentic. So that's my intro. With that said, this is Smart People Podcast, so you know you're listening to the right one. Our guests, plural, this week are Colin Coggins and Garrett Brown. They're the authors of literally a brand new book called The Unsold Mindset, Redefining What It Means to Sell. Now, when you hear that, you might have just made a connection between this idea of authenticity and selling, and then you probably added a bunch of preconceived notions and biases, because I think I did. In fact, you're going to hear me in this episode talk about when somebody says to me that we're all selling. This is why you need to get better at sales. We all sell every day. That drives me crazy. And sure enough, that phrase came up in this episode, and I finally understood what it meant. In my mind, this is not a sales book. 
in my mind, yes, this book will help you be better at sales. But in reality, I think what we talk about is really the grease that lubricates the wheels of progress in our world, which is honest connection, communication, discussion, and ultimately how to find permission to be yourself and then to be amazed at what yourself accomplishes. This is a conversation and a book about mindset, mindset on how to connect with others authentically, influence, and build better bonds. Colin and Garrett are authors, speakers, and professors known for their popular class that they created, which is called Sales Mindset for Entrepreneurs at the University of Southern California's Marshall School of Business. They both have a lengthy CV that includes senior roles at many companies, uh, building a company, selling it to Google, and a lot more. But I don't think I need to convince you on their credibility, especially after you listen to this episode. We are talking to Colin Coggins and Garrett Brown on their new book, The Unsold Mindset, Redefining What It Means to Sell. Enjoy. You have this book and it's The Unsold Mindset and it launches the 21st, February 21st. Okay. As we were talking about the difficulties of writing a book and really the difficulties come in and you have to sell the book. And as I'm talking to people who wrote a book on selling, let's get meta here. What is that like? What's that process like? I mean, are you going to have an instant New York Times bestseller because you are the expert? Just coming in hot, question number one. <laughs> yeah. Huh? Yep. We, were, we, were, we were toying with it earlier. We, if we could just take the advice that we give in our book, we'd be fine, right? I mean, the reality is, is that we've been working on this baby for like our baby for four years. And we talk a lot in the book about looking at goals, not as finish lines, but as mile markers and, you know, and, and, and redefining what a purpose should look like so that, so that those goals can be uh, mile markers and not finish lines. But this feels like a damn close finish line to us. You know, we've got, it's, it's coming in a week. We're freaking out. We're trying not to. We're trying to be pathologically optimistic because all the data says that it works and the chapter's great. And we're trying to be purpose-oriented, not thinking about the finish line because the chapter's great and the research makes sense. And and meanwhile, we're sitting here before pressing record, freaking out because our baby is coming out in eight days. So it's a little bit of both. Yeah. You know, I want to dig into that because that's one of the cool things about your book and really about what both of you do. And we'll talk about that. I, look, the people that listen to this aren't, this is not a salesperson podcast. Of course, we all sell and we know that. But um, it'd be unfair to say your book is a sales book. Would you agree? 100%. Colin sometimes cringes when I say this, but it's not a sales book, but it is a book about selling. And, you know, we all sell every single day, whether we're a salesperson by trade or whether we were talking before we hit record about our children. You know, you're selling your kids on eating their vegetables or your spouse on what to have for dinner. I mean, we, we are constantly selling things all day long. And once we once we come to terms with what that means and realize that it doesn't have to be a bad thing, um, that's when things get pretty exciting. One of the biggest compliments that we got about this book after we had completed the manuscript several months ago Somebody said, you know, if you took the word salesperson out of the book and replaced it with the word person, it would still make a lot of sense. And so that, that was a huge compliment for us because it means a lot to us to destigmatize what selling is. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that we're starting the conversation here. 
that's something I have an issue with in general, right? So as I mentioned, Dan Pink was the first person to change my mind around this entirely. He told me a story from his book about how when you go to buy a car, you often now know more about that specific car than the person selling it to you. Sales is no longer, uh, I can kind of force you into this because of how educated consumers are. And so that changed my perspective onto, okay, what makes a good salesperson? But I still do see people doing it the wrong way. And it's leading to a lot of mistrust and distrust. How can we reframe this about it not being about sales, but it being about life? So good. Well, first of all, the book is full of the greatest salespeople on the planet reframing what it means to sell to them. Right? The, the book is shining this light on this modality that Garrett and I really captured in our curriculum and our class. But it, you know, back in the days when we were practitioners, and to your point, if you really look closely, the greatest salespeople on the planet are the exact opposite of who we think they are. And so what normally happens when you find these people that are doing it the wrong way, it's because they're trying to copy a good salesperson. But like as humans, like we understand when someone's being inauthentic. Like I can say the same words you say, make the same actions you make, and it'll come off completely different. Like you're interested in things I'm not interested in. You think things are funny that, I'm not, that, that aren't funny. So when you see these like smarmy, pushy, manipulative sales characters, right? The character, it's what they are for lack of a better word. What's happening is they're trying to emulate the number one salesperson in the room. It doesn't work. The dreaded inflection point hits where they think, well, it can't be my fault because it's working for the hitter in the room. So if it's not working for me, it must be the customer's fault. Then the know-it-allism comes in. Then the belief superiority comes in. Then the urgency comes in. Then you're not hitting your goals and then you become smarmy. And it's a vicious cycle that leads to burnout and he goes all on and on and on again until you realize like the superpower of these great salespeople is nobody is better at being them than them. Like they're way more comfortable sharing these pieces of their soul. Souls, of, you know, maybe I'm being hyperbolic, but you know what I mean? Like it's, they're way more comfortable being authentic and redefining what sales means within that authenticity box than everybody else. There's a lesson that we share with our class and with companies that we work with and, and people that we advise and we always say that if you think you sound cheesy, you sound cheesy. If you think <laughs> you sound salesy, you sound salesy. If you think you sound pushy, you sound pushy. You know, our, our, our instincts and our self-awareness are usually right on that. And so that's the easiest way to just ha to have something tangible, to be like, am I sounding like these people that I don't want to sound like? Well, do you think you do? And if you do, you're usually right. And look, I, and that self-awareness Garrett's talking about, that is what you see in these great salespeople. Like they weren't the most self-confident. They were the most self-aware. They could say some shit. It didn't land. They were able to course correct real time. Like they were, they were talking to someone. That person knew that they weren't listening. They knew they were waiting to speak and they were able to sense it and change. They were being pathologically optimistic, not because they're naive, but because they know what a conversation sounds like when you don't need something from someone. So they get to a place where they can have a conversation like this is this has way more to do with sales IQ as it relates to, to awareness as a as a whole than it does to the right side of the equal sign, which is what you're doing, because that's not what it's about. It's about what they're thinking. When you were just talking about that, Colin, you're talking about authenticity, you're talking about self-awareness, you're talking about being able to recognize in others how you're landing and then pivoting, not to be manipulative, but because 
that's what's going to make communication the easiest. The reason I got goosebumps is I'd say, and I'm just going to go here. It's all, it's one of the only things I'm good at is doing that. And I've never been in sales. And I've actually looked at it as a trait that although I believe is useful, I don't know why. Because it's not like you can go be an engineer because that's your trait. But by the way, this is what Garrett and I have been doing for the past you know, four years is interviewing a bunch of people that don't know why they're good, but they are good. And then we get to tell them, hey, guess what? Like you just said the same thing that Snoop Dogg said. You just said the same thing that Chef Roy Choi said. But for you specifically, like, because this is a really good example and it's a microcosm of what we've seen all across the landscape, you're really good at creating agency in the people that you're talking to. However, your authenticity presents itself, okay? Whatever that skill is, what it allows people to do is feel like they're part of the decision-making process. You know, like really shitty salespeople don't understand that people will say no to you because you're right. You know, it takes a certain type of someone to show up and like not want to be the smartest person in the room, to want to be a learner, right? Like you ask questions for a living. And a lot of times you're going to ask a question I've never heard before. And when that happens, I'm going to ideate on that answer for the first time in real time. And whatever that answer is, it's mine. I'm taking ownership in it, right? You didn't sell me, I bought it, which makes you the best salesperson in the room. Not because you're manipulative, but because you're foolish enough to ask questions you actually want to know the answers to which most salespeople just don't do because they're supposed to be asking questions that lead them to this finish line. This episode is brought to you by Rocket Money. I've always struggled with finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. But now I use Rocket Money and it does all of that for me. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, I have full control over my subscriptions and a clear view of my expenses. I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, Rocket Money can help me cancel it with a few taps. I love how the dashboard shows me this month's spending compared to last month's, so I can clearly see my spending habits. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash smart. That's rocketmoney.com slash smart. One last time, rocketmoney.com slash smart. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So many salespeople along the way and people in general have recently learned, I would think, last 20 years, you know, selling is really about asking questions and all those things. But to your point, it then becomes 
well, what questions do I ask? What is the script of questions? What's the best question to open, to get a yes, to close? And primarily what I'm hearing you say, and again, correct me where I'm wrong, is like, if you're doing that, then you're not doing it right. You need to be coming from that place of genuine curiosity where you're starting from, what do they need? What do I have type, type thing? That's exactly it. You're talking about the script. And that is, that is a dangerous place to live if you are a salesperson, whatever you're selling, whether you're selling yourself, whether you're selling ideas, whether you're selling a product. Certainly there are questions that you need to ask to get enough information to see if you can help a person and guide them towards, as Colin says, making a decision that's best for them. Um, but what the greats do, whether, whether it's Snoop Dogg or the number one salesperson at one of the you know, big five tech companies, they ask questions that they genuinely want to know the answer to. So they're, they're not asking it just because they're supposed to. They might have a couple that they're supposed to ask, but they care differently. And so the follow-up question that they're going to ask to those questions is going to come from a place of genuine curiosity, as opposed to just being another question that I'm supposed to ask on a list or a script of questions that I'm supposed to ask. And the difference in how those conversations sound is astounding. And we've had the, the privilege, especially since COVID started, to be able to listen to hundreds of sales calls and watch them on Zoom and see what the greats do and, and what people who aren't doing so well do. And, the, and everybody with like to a man or woman, without a doubt, the ones that genuinely care, you know it. You can tell just by the conversations that they're having. Yeah. You, know, you smell it. You brought up COVID too. I mean, we had this aha moment, Garrett and I, during COVID, like during lockdown, because we had, we had access to so many recordings. You started to see these patterns and there were two really interesting patterns. One was historically low-performing salespeople were thriving during lockdown and historically high-performing salespeople across multiple different verticals in, in our subset were underperforming during lockdown, but historically were really good. And so when we started to look at the film, it was just really obvious because all of their conversations sounded very similar. Like the, the high performers during lockdown who normally weren't high performers, they showed up and they just freaked out on camera. Like they just showed up and they were like, thanks for showing up. I know that you accepted my calendar invite and I know I sent it, but if I'm being honest, I don't even know if we should be doing this right now. Like that's my two-year-old. That's his mom with like a mask on. I don't even know if we're supposed to be in the same room. Like this shit is scary. And I'm just pointing it out. Like they were, they basically were like giving themselves, I'm smiling because Garrett always calls me out when I say like too much, <laughs> but this was a, this was a proper like. They were, acting, they were acting like the person on the other end of the Zoom was living through a shared experience because they were, they knew it. So they gave, they, had, they gave themselves total permission to show this vulnerable side of themselves to the person on the other side of the Zoom because they assumed this person was very similar to them in this moment. And they were right. You know, you'd see the reciprocation was, thank God you said that. This is my first pandemic too. You, you'd watch them catch a vibe, five minutes just catch a complete vibe. You've never seen a customer and a salesperson get on the same page at the same time so fast. And the people that weren't doing well, historically did, they were just robots. They showed up on the Zoom and acted like all that wasn't happening behind them. They were like, thanks for showing up. Here's the agenda. Let's get started. And that was when we were like, yup, because all these great salespeople do that all the time. 
Like these greats know nobody wanted them to be perfect. The greats know you're just like me. You are imperfect. You are flawed. Like you're vulnerable. You're scared, even if you don't tell anybody. So they just treat them as if they already are. And you watch these really raw relationships blossom into something that's beautiful and sincere. And they're selling the same shit that everybody else is selling. So at the end of the day, all these customers are doing is they're like, who am I going to rather spend more time with? Because I'm buying something from someone and it's this person who's more like me than everybody else. Right. What prevents people from doing this? Expectations. No matter what our role is, whether it's a salesperson or a parent or a podcast host, we all have a box that we think we're supposed to fit into. And especially with salespeople, because the stereotype runs so deep, like they just think a salesperson has to know all the answers. A salesperson is supposed to be able to uh, overcome an objection as soon as it's thrown out there. A salesperson is supposed to sound this way or that way. And that's that it just runs so deep. And we see, especially I mean, we're lucky enough, we, we're professors. We teach sales mindset for entrepreneurs at USC. And so we see these students and, and they stay in touch with us and they go out into the world. And some, some of them, their first job is, is a sales role. And even though they took our class and they know they should be looking out for it, you know, they come back and they go, well, it's not going great. Here's why. And then as we start to dig in, we see it's because they're doing things the way they think they're supposed to. So, it, you know, your question is what holds people back? It's those expectations. But once the greats, and again, we, the, the types of people that we're talking to are, they run the, the complete spectrum of, of, of uh, backgrounds and of industries and geography. And they all know that those expectations are bullshit. And that if once they give themselves permission to do things their authentic way, that's the only way they're going to have a real conversation and not sound like the robot or the stereotypical cringy salesperson that, that we're kind of referring to here. But the scary part then becomes, if I don't try to meet expectations, what if my authentic self is not right for this, is not good at selling this, doesn't really do a good job of building rapport initially, all of a sudden... Now I don't have an option because I have to be myself, but myself doesn't work. Yeah. So look, this is how we, this is, it's a, it's, it's a complex answer. I think Ari, Ari Melber um, from MSNBC, he's in the book and he does a great job of articulating, you know, that there, there are sort of limits within your authenticity. Um, and, and we can talk more about that, but you know, what our students find most important about this subject is that what people like who people expect you to be and who people hope you are are not always the same person so you know these these expectations of who like if i'm selling myself in an interview like maybe my expectations are that i expect you to have all the answers be really polished have an incredible resume and blow me away but i hope you're a real one you know i i hope I hope that like, you know, you show up and I'm enjoying my time with you. And those things could be mutually exclusive, right? They could not be. And so, you know, when you talk about the expectations, here's here's the best way that I can that I can put this. We have we have been indoctrinated for generations to be the type of salesperson that learns how to mirror people as an example, because we know great salespeople mirror people. Like we know great salespeople actually mirror people because they're so engaged. And then people decided to write a book on how to act like you were engaged <laughs> right. by mirroring. Right, right, right. And we decided that we would write a book on how to actually be as engaged as 
the greatest salespeople on the planet so that you are actually mirror because you're, you caught a vibe and it was real. Without thinking of, about it. Without thinking you know, about if it. If you're sitting there and you're having a conversation with somebody and you're like, oh, their elbow's over there and they're facing that way, so I'm going to do that. That's not going to be an authentic conversation. If you're mirroring somebody, and there is science, which which we won't get into here, but there is science behind mirroring when when two people are connecting. The the people who the reason great salespeople do it is not because they were thinking about where somebody's elbow was or what direction they were facing or if their legs were crossed or not. It's because scientifically they were they were in such a meld, a mind meld with the person that they were talking to that it just naturally happened. It, it's not something that they're thinking about. And you know, we talk about this with pretty much anything that we teach or talk about. You can weaponize pretty much any sales tactic in the world. And unfortunately, a lot of people do it. But what our book's about and what we teach and what the truly great sale sellers on the planet do, they're not weaponizing it. They're doing it because it's it's authentic to who they are, because they know that if they communicate in a certain way, it's going to get the message across to help the person that they're talking to. But they're not using it as a strategy or a tap, tactic or some sort of um, weapon of manipulation. Yeah, they don't even know they're doing it, right? I mean, like a lot of times they're creating this infrastructure to mitigate inauthenticity unbeknownst to them. Like there's a chapter called Intentional Ignorance where great salespeople realize that like what they're good at and what they love doing aren't always going to be the same thing. And so they look for these pockets of what they love doing in areas where they're good. And eventually they get to this place where those two things converge, you know? But but they also remain completely ignorant to the parts of their job that would force them to show up inauthentically. While a lot of us would, would not do that. A lot of us would say, okay, well, this is the part that the customers think is, or is most intriguing. So I am going to learn this part and I'm going to sound really good at it. And I'm going to use this in my arsenal. We talked to a, you know, a great advertising exec and she was like, the best thing that ever happened in my career is when I said, I didn't know. She was like an advertising tech who hated technology loves relationships, loves people, doesn't like tech. She was like, one day I just stopped trying to act like I understood what I was reading about this API configuration. I was just like, I don't know. And I started getting credit, more credit for knowing the answer. I would get credit for being resourceful enough to go out and fight for them because they wanted me to be resourceful. They wanted me the type of person that was going to fight for them, not the type of person that had all the answers until someone scratched the surface and I didn't know anything. So I would just start saying, I don't know. And you know, she said the other thing that happened was she was, she was able to start to build these really strong relationships internally at the company because she would bring people in for support. And every time she would bring someone in, she would immediately be on the same team as the customer just by bringing someone else in. She'd be like, I don't know. This person does. Hey, this person, me and the customer want to know about the API configuration. Just like that. You know what I love about that story? I can almost imagine it. The salesperson goes in and then they try and bring the expert with them. But yep. when it's organic, like the story you're talking about. She's like, I don't know. I've got people here that do. Let's see. Then you feel like you're on the same team. But if that person goes, I'm so glad you're interested because Jim here knows all that. You, you kind of know that that's a staged relationship. It's offensive. Yeah. Right. That, that's the deal with these bad salespeople is you're offended that you don't think I know what you're doing. Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. Like that's offensive. And like it's and I'll and and then, I mean we listen, we we get overly passionate about this stuff. There's a there's a um a concept in the book called show your work. Like in math class, like you didn't get credit just for the answer. You got credit for showing your work. Right. Like basically, these great salespeople, once again, not intentionally, but they were all doing it. They they would just 
talk about what was going inside of their like going on inside their head before the words came out. Like they they would they would talk to themselves out loud. Like we there's multiple stories in here, but there's a story of us interviewing this amazing salesperson, and everyone knew he was great because he had the chops. And we interviewed him. We were like, "Hey, like introduce yourself." He introduces himself, and he's like, "Hey, my name is Jason." And he stops himself. He looks up at the ceiling, and he's like, "Why do I keep doing this?" And he looks back at us and reintroduces himself with titles beginning with father and son first, and then he went to you know whatever his title was. But that. That wasn't the impressive part. The impressive part was that Garrett and I loved him. Like we loved him. We like we didn't love anyone for 60 minutes. For 60 minutes, like we were looking for the good, the bad, the ugly, the indifferent. We're trying to find friction points. We're trying to create a book, a narrative. We, we, that, we don't get that from just looking for the good. And we just stayed looking for the good goodness, dude, until we went back, rewound the film. And we're like, what was it about this guy? And it was those freaking three seconds. For three seconds, we were like, we're with the best salesperson in the city and there's no way he's selling us just for these three seconds. He doesn't do that on purpose. He's not like, I'm going to create a micro moment of connection for three seconds. Watch this. And then, and then like Garrett's laughing, we could not unsee it. Everyone we talked to was talking to themselves out loud. Everyone. Yeah. It's gotten to a point where, you know, we, as professors, we, we do a lot of office hours and students will come up to us. And they'll be stressed about one thing or another. But a lot of times it'll be we, we teach um, students who are studying entrepreneurship and they might uh, uh, as recently as a couple of weeks ago, we had a student in there and she said, you know, I've got this um, I've got this meeting coming up with a VC that I've been trying to meet with forever. And I'm really nervous about it. And we said, why are you nervous? And she said, well, because I'm only a college student and I know that this person works with some of the biggest founders in the world. And I just don't want him to think that I'm just some college student who's just like, you know, trying to get advice. Like I want him to think that I'm a legitimate entrepreneur. And our answer was the same answer that we give to a lot of people with similar questions, which was tell him that. And she goes, what are you talking about? Well, start the conversation with that. Tell him that you feel, you know, you're really excited to talk to this person, but you're worried that he's going to think you're just a college student who, you know, and, and sure enough, you know, she has that conversation and leads with that vulnerability and that authenticity. And I'm sure that the uh, VC has people all the time trying to act like they're, you know, on par with the people that he typically works with. And it was very refreshing for him, I'm guessing, but I'm, I'm sure it was refreshing for him to have that because uh, their conversation was great. When she came back to report on it, she said, you know, they had this amazing conversation. They talked for a full hour and they have plans to follow up. And, and I don't know if that happens if you're just pretending to be something that you're not. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Part of it is in those moments, I'd imagine you're giving the other person a chance to also be authentic. 
And, and so many of us walk around for the, the majority of our lives feeling like we're not allowed to be that. And so when we get that, that grace, we get that opportunity. It's like, Hey, thank you. And now we're connected. You let me do that. Especially if there's power dynamics at play. Now I see myself in you. Right. 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 Now, now you see yourself in me. It doesn't take long to realize that, that that's, that's what's happening. And the minute that you see yourself in someone is the minute that you start believing in them or the minute that you want to, but that's an exercise and the, the brain is malleable. It's going to find whatever it is it's looking for. It's going to adapt to these environments. And it, it, if you look for the good, you'll find it, right? If you look for the bad, you'll find it. These people aren't intentionally better at looking for the good than most, they, but they are. You know, they enter these conversations. Like, you know what it feels like to talk to somebody that believes in you. Like imagine talking to someone like a stranger that believes in you. Like you can't fake that. You can't, you can't act authentic. There's a lot of work that goes into that. Like these people are taking the time, like their research looks different than everybody else's research. A lot of people are researching ways to leverage. You have people that are so self-aware enough to know that they are going to move differently if they are enamored with the person that they are talking to. Like we're not saying like it's possible to fall in love with someone right before you meet them, but you could fall in love with the idea of who they are. Like you could show up to that meeting, like seeing if you're going to be proven wrong, but you will move differently. And, and the book has a lot to, you know, these, we talk about these great sellers. We wrote this book thinking it was about sales professionals. Like we went out and we researched, we were like, Hey, Hey, great sales professional. Like tell us why you're good and tell us who the best salesperson is, you know. And we did that across all different verticals. And we started noticing that they, when we asked them who the greatest salesperson was that they knew, they weren't telling us sales professionals. Every one of these salespeople, when we asked them who the greatest salesperson was they knew, they were giving us doctors and lawyers and fathers and uncles and ice cream shop owners and rappers and influencer marketing, but none of them were account executive or VP of sales or CRO even. And so that was this like epiphany, like, oh, wait a minute. Everybody is selling an idea. Everybody is selling themselves. Everybody is selling products or services. The greatest salespeople on the planet are the opposite of who we think they are. They're probably the opposite of who we think they look like too. And we just started going out and finding them. And lo and behold, they were everywhere. And they did not look like anybody else. And we hope that this book shines a light for sales professionals and professionals that sell. The minute that you realize you're in a selling situation, you have a choice to make. You can show up as yourself or you can try to be the best version of whoever you think it, that person is. And that's, that's where people fail. That was a profound statement, by the way. There's our TikTok moment of the day. Um, here's, the, <laughs> here's the thing, right? How do we balance being authentic without one, just like dumping ourselves on them and two, maintaining a level of credibility that will be required for almost any professional interaction? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you asked this because we do talk about this in the book. You know, you can't just come in to a conversation and without having any sort of lead in, go and ask somebody about their personal life or their history or things like that. So, you know, step one is the rule that I mentioned earlier. Like if you think you sound cheesy, you sound cheesy. Like if you think it's too soon to ask the question that you have in mind, it's probably too soon. That, that assumes a certain amount of self-awareness. Most of us, and I'm sure most of the people listening to this have that. And so that's a, that's a great place to start. But, you know, just like anything, there, there's certainly a, a, a trail of breadcrumbs that you should leave and, and ask, 
you know, start with start with more common questions and build up based on what you authentically feel is going on in the conversation. Um, and then you learn from it, too. Sometimes you're going to ask the wrong question at the wrong time. And one of the things that that Colin and I write about and teach about a lot is that we wish salespeople a thousand no's um, as fast as they can get them, because getting told no means you're doing your job, getting the same no twice. That means you're not doing your job. So if you if you ask a question and it's too soon and the conversation gets derailed, you know, sucks. You, you that one that one's going to get awkward and, and whatever happens happens. But now you know next time that you ask that question too soon. Um, and so you know, there's a lot of that's the beauty of selling and the fact that we do it every day is that we get to practice it in pretty much every conversation that we have. And so just collecting those lessons and having a learner mindset. Uh, another another trait that all of these unsold sellers we talked to had is they're constantly learning um, and and loved it, loved good feedback, bad feedback, any kind of feedback they can get. Um, and that's, you know, that's the easiest way to do it is just learn in the fire. And if you ask that question too soon uh, one time, make sure you don't do it again the next time. Oversharing is a hard conversation, you know, like it's it's uh, because it it's some people's superpower. Like you want to talk about self-awareness, you know, like the, the, the self, the most self-aware people are the ones that can overshare and they realize that it's not only okay, but they're adding value by oversharing versus extracting value by oversharing. And we, to Garrett's point, you're in the fire and you don't even know you're doing it. And then you do it and you're like, Oh, you know, but there's a story in the book about when I was engaged to my now wife of almost nine years. I got that right on the first time. You see that? <laughs> Sometimes we'll be on keynotes and I'll be like, eight, nine. And on like, his fingers. <laughs> getting recorded. <laughs> but she, you know, my, my wife would, um, she just, she's just a really good planner. And she would, she would take time in my calendar in between my meetings to, and I'm the type of person that would share my calendar with my future wife. And she would, she would put the like, wedding planning um, times in my calendar. And I would, a lot of the time show up late for meetings and I'd have to apologize. And then there's this moment where like you show up late for a meeting and you decide, do you just, you just sit there and you go, I'm sorry. Or do you say, I'm sorry. And you tell them why you're late. Now that that's, that's a decision. There's a lot of self-awareness in that, but for whatever reason, cause I'm not going to sit here and claim I was a self-awareness genius. I just decided that they would get it. Right. But this is that COVID example. I would assume that this was this, this was some sort of a shared experience. And I would say, like, hey, I'm really sorry I'm late. Like my my wife is one heck of a wedding planner. And today was a difference between bougainvilleas and a tulip arc. And it doesn't really matter to you. I'm just saying I'm sorry. And almost every time they would respond like with one or two answers. They would either go, Don't worry about it, Colin. It gets a hundred percent easier on your second marriage. Or they'd say, Don't worry about it, Colin. Happy wife, happy life. I've been married for X amount of years. But they were divulging their marital history to me in the first eight seconds. Like that's a vibe that I wasn't catching intentionally. I was just telling them like why I was late. And they were they started looking for the good in me immediately. Right. So that oversharing, they were like, oh, he's I see himself and I see me in himself. Let me now show you that we're alike. And now I'm looking for the good in them. Now we're treating each other like human beings. I'm probably selling a commodity or you know something that's commoditized. They're going to make a decision to buy based off of who they're going to want to spend more time with. And they're going to want to spend more time with someone like them. But the, none of that was conjured up. That was just oversharing with, with the self-awareness to know who was in the room. Right. Okay. So here's the thing. I see how we make the link to sales, but I feel like 
you could have just completely eliminated the idea of sales from this discussion. And you could have called this connecting for influence or building relationships through, I don't know, authenticity or, or getting on the same wavelength or like anything, right? Why make it about sales? Or was it that that's your background? You went into it assuming it's going to be about sales. And then you said, wow, okay, this is a little bit different. You're making us really happy with the question <laughs> and the sentiment. <laughs> I don't, I'm looking at yeah. Colin's face here and I'm wondering which direction you wanted I'm to gonna, go, but I'm going to, I will say this, I will say this selling is, is really important to us. Okay. It's changed both of our lives. We, we, neither of us, as many salespeople have this story, neither of us expected to go into selling, um, as a career. You know, I started as a lawyer, Colin wanted a career in PR. We both ended up in sales through a, a variety of sort of serendipitous events and have found like an incredibly fulfilling, wonderful career from it. And, and when we met the company we met at, we helped build that company and sell it to Google, which was a life-changing event for us. And we just, after that, we wanted to share, people were asking us, first of all, how we did it, because we, in case it's not obvious by now, we have a little bit of a different approach to selling than the typical kind of tech sales uh, model that, that most people use. And so people were asking us how to do it. And it was important to us because, you know, we, we sales has a bad name and we didn't think that it had to. So we just decided that we wanted to go on this mission to change the way that the world thinks about salespeople by changing the way that salespeople think about themselves. And, and we love this mindset stuff and we realize, and it's very much uh, uh, not lost on us that it applies to things other than selling. Um, and someday we may get to have those conversations as well, but but it's just, you know, we're all selling, as we've said, every day. And it's such an important part of just being a human being. And we figured if we can destigmatize that and show people that personal development and professional development live on the same plane, then we could really kind of take this thing somewhere. You're probably the first person that I've ever heard say we all sell every day that I actually know what you mean. Everybody listening to this podcast has heard that we all sell every day. Usually the people telling you that are trying to sell you something about sales. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is such a cliche. Like we get it. But a lot of times the things you want to sell, you truly believe have value for somebody else. And you feel like those are the people that should receive that value. And I think that's gotten lost so much in, you know, all the sales culture. But that's what it means when you say, you know, we're selling to our family, we're selling to our kids. It's like, yeah, I'm going to try and have my kid eat vegetables tonight. And I can't manipulate him into it. He's just too smart for that. But I do try to explain like the different colors and how they impact the body in different ways. And because I have his best interests in mind, I actually believe that statement. And I just had to tell you because everybody's heard it. And as soon as I tend to hear it, I go, that's just somebody trying to sell me something and explaining why it's important. We, we were talking at the beginning of this conversation about before we hit record and and we the three of us met face to face on on the screen for the first time when we when we logged in here and it's like we were trying to sell you on liking us and you were trying to sell yourself on liking you like that's just it's just a natural part of human interaction the only problem people have with it is when you call it selling it's like well i'm not selling. but if you take the stigma away from it that's exactly what you're doing you know we're just we're, we're getting to know each other we're, we're trying to make sure that we're on the same wavelength and, and, and we want each other to like each other. And that's okay. That's, that's just a natural thing that happened. You're, you're constantly selling, man. So I'm glad you said that. And thank yeah. you. Yeah. 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 
Sorry, Colin, I probably threw you all off because I really wanted to hear your uh, your take on it as well. I like watching Garrett talk. I get to do it for like 50% of most hours. And you, know, you you brought up a really interesting point, which is why, why do you have to call it selling? And, and it made me think of what happens when we get off keynotes. Every time we get off, of, first of all, most keynotes that we're on, the rooms that we're in front of are extraordinary leaders and salespeople. Like it's not, they're not rooms full of average people. Like the people that get to go to these keynotes are there because they're hitters. And you always have it. Like at least one will come up to us after in tears and they will say, you get it. You get the secret. It has nothing to do with sales. So what this person is saying is you get the secret to sales. It has nothing to do with sales, which is meta except we all know what he means, which is if you substitute the word salesperson out of this book for person, there, it still means something. And when we interviewed, every keynote, we will ask people two questions. First question is, what do you think of when you hear the word salesperson? And the second question is, who's the greatest salesperson you know? And everyone says, yucky, nasty, manipulative, pushy to the first answer. The two most common answers to the second question are Martin Luther King Jr. and Steve Jobs. Like the most wildest of incongruences you can think of. Yeah. Like I asked you what you thought of. You said shitty. And then I said, who's the best person? And you said MLK. <laughs> and you know, you hear people say their dads, their mothers were getting Jesus a lot. And you know, the crowd laughs because they don't recognize it until they recognize it. And Garrett's going to kill me, but I'm going to do it anyways. The last page of our book is the most important page in the history of words that have ever been written. I in like my it. opinion. Okay. Okay. Let's hear it. It says that for some of you, selling will change your life. For some of you, selling will change other people's lives. And for some of you, selling will change the world. Remember that next time someone calls you a salesperson. So it's like, yeah, the reason why we're so gung-ho on using the word sales is because it's the word. It's a special word and it's not a bad word. And if our students knew it wasn't a bad word, they'd show up a different way when they were going for job interviews. And if our, our parents knew it wasn't a bad word, they'd show up differently when they were having the vegetable conversation. And CEOs would show up differently when they were leading their people. And you know, they, it's the heart. There's only two words, only two types of books, I think, that are really stigmatized, personal development and sales. And we're smack dab in the middle of both of them. You're giving people permission to try to go after changing the things they believe in. Some people don't have any problems with that, but for most, I think we go, I don't want to, I don't want to convince them of that, or this is my view. They can have theirs or, you know, there's an embarrassment there, but by giving permission to say, first, understand if you really believe in the value for somebody else. And then to say, then I'm going to try to get them to understand it greatest leaders in the room or the greatest sellers in the room. Nobody ever changed the world that they didn't know how to move people. Yeah. Faster. Like we were in the real world and we were watching these like students graduate college ill-equipped to, to chase their dreams because they didn't know how to move people. So they just show up. You better hope you better hope you get a good first boss. <laughs> yeah. Right. That, that, those, that's what's happening. And, and we wanted to change that. And we're forever grateful that SC gave us that opportunity. And Harper Collins said the book wasn't written before and, we're proud of it. You know, we think a lot of people will see themselves in these pages. What you said, I have to reiterate because people listen while they're driving and whatnot. So keep your eyes on the road. But 
when we think of salesperson, I can't help but think of these people who keep knocking on my front door about pest control. And it drives me crazy. But when you ask who's the best salesperson you know, a couple of people come to mind. One of them is one of my best friends. I was in, I was the best man in his wedding, right? Obviously, I don't think of him as a door-to-door salesman. He just is really good at like understanding your motivations and then trying to make things happen that like, you know, match those motivations in a way that's mutually beneficial, essentially. That thought exercise right there is what I think of when I think of paradigm shift. And so it must be a hell of a keynote, by the way. (laughs) It's one of our favorite things to do for sure. Yeah. But, you know, maybe this is a good way to circle back to the beginning where we were talking about the process of writing a book, because I I don't know, maybe Colin had dreams. He was a a rapper in, in college. So maybe he had a dream of being on stage in front of people. I certainly didn't. And that's something that just randomly came out of this experience is once we signed the book deal, we started to hear from some of these agencies that that represent speakers and which is smart. It's a good lead source for them. They go, you know, they got some people, a couple of professors that have a book coming out. Let's see if they're any good. And so, you know, we we ended up on stages in front of like some of the biggest companies in the world and and groups as as small as, you know, 50 or 100 people and as big as several thousand people. And that's been one of the most fun um, and rewarding, I guess, side effects or side benefits of writing this book is that, you know, now that is one of the main things that we do is we get to travel around and we get to share all of this stuff that we're obviously very passionate about with groups um, in different stages of of their life cycle. And, and we just get to kind of like talk to people and help them and share this in different ways. So it's been really fun and and for me, very unexpected. But like I said, it's become one of one of our favorite things to do. And we're on the road a lot doing it. So. Um, I just would like to acknowledge that he just wants to drop rapper and uh-huh. then just walk away like you didn't do that. So I saw that. You, I like that he did it for one reason, which is no one knows this except for the Smart People podcast, that there was a whole section about me being a freestyler in this book that got cut. But now your audience members know about it. They're in on it. And all it was was just akin to the rest of it. I was a really great freestyle rapper. I was a horrible rapper. I was really good at coming off the cuff. When I didn't know what I was going to say next, I had bounce, you know, like because I didn't know. And so I would ride. The minute that I had to write a rap down, like my fake New York accent came out. You know, I started talking and trying to like fit these words into into rhyming patterns. And I was terrible because I was trying to be a good rapper. But, you know. So anyways, just something for your for your B-roll. I mean, no, it's a good one. And now they now they get to hear about that. What you all are saying this is not something that a professor says in a class. Like this stuff can really change the trajectory of your career and, and many other aspects. And I think where we started with that expectations piece is so critical. And that's, that's the name of the book, The Unsold. It's a bunch of people that are unsold on who society, who they think society expects them to be, you know, who customers want them to be, like who they should be. And they've gone on to do really great things, not, not, not even because they were trying to be different, but just because they believed that they could have it all. Right. They could be great without becoming someone they weren't. How can people start? If they're like, I want to adopt this mindset. Maybe I'm in sales, maybe I'm not, but I want to be able to better influence for good. And I, I want to bring this authenticity forward. What's step one? Start asking questions you want to know the answers to. And don't act like that's easy or that you always do it. Because you don't and it's not intentionally start asking questions you actually want to know the answers to. Garrett, go ahead. Sorry. Care differently. 
You know, if it the, the conversation that you have with these 37th name on a list of 50 people you have to call for work that day is very different than the conversation you have with somebody who you genuinely care about and want to help and want to see if you have something that's going to impact their lives in a positive way. So the difference between all of these unsold sellers that we talk to and the average folks who are just trying to figure it out is that the unsold genuinely care. And that comes across very differently. The unsold mindset, redefining what it means to sell. Colin and Garrett, I love it. Tell us where can we find you? Where can we learn more about you and this whole process outside of the book? Outside of the book, we are at colinandgarrett.com. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Colin and Garrett. That's one L, two R's, two T's. I mean, I just want to preface, you should follow us on Instagram and Twitter because we're having a really good time figuring out like how to be on social media. Like we refused to do it for a really long time. We were scared that it was going to be the opposite of our authentic selves. And we, we decided that, that that's not true, right? That's the story we're telling ourselves. And we're having a blast just f- navigating these uncharted waters. So I want to set expectations to follow us so that you can laugh with us and maybe at us. But we're definitely not social media influencers right now. And I think that's a, it's a good place to be for us. Half of people listening at some point or other have said, you know, I, I want to do social media, but I just I don't want to feel cheesy or corny or I don't know how to do it or whatever. Me being one of them. Okay, We need to do this for the podcast. And we tried it out. Yeah. And the reason is exactly what this past hour of conversation has been about, because the second the camera goes on or whatever, you ask yourself, what is expected? What should I be doing instead of what do I want to do? Like right now I'm thinking, all right, what am I going to do differently on TikTok now? Like, what do I actually want to do? And it is the, so in that one little story, that is like a microcosm of your entire message. What a matter you are. Well, hey, look, Colin, Garrett, this has been fantastic. I, I, I really, I love the message. I'm so glad we made this happen. Uh, I'm so glad you wrote the book and uh, can't wait for it to come out to the world. We appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. This week's guests were Colin Coggins and Garrett Brown. As always, it was hosted by Chris Stemp and produced by yours truly, John Rojas. Colin and Garrett's book is available now, The Unsold Mindset, Redefining What It Means to Sell, and it can be found wherever books are sold. Now for the quick housekeeping items. If you ever want to reach out to the show, you can email us at smartpeoplepodcast@gmail.com or message us on Twitter at smartpeoplepod. And of course, if you want to stay up to date with all things Smart People Podcast, head over to the website smartpeoplepodcast.com and sign up for the newsletter. All right, that's it for us this week. Make sure you stay tuned because we've got a lot of great interviews coming up and we'll see you all next episode.